This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Pride Toronto appears to have taken a major financial hit over the controversial decision to ban police officers from marching in the June 25th parade. The organization's 2017 audited financial statements show that Pride Toronto lost $1.3 million and used up almost all of its nearly $850,000 surplus to bring the deficit down to about $460,000. Pride's leadership hasn't been commenting on this. What do you think? Numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, let's go to Mike McCormick, the Toronto Police Association president, and John Birdside, Ward 26, Don Valley West, and a former cop himself. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Libby. Okay, so uh, first question, is it fair to attribute this financial loss to uh, the move uh, to ban police? Um, This is Mike speaking. Hey, John, how are you doing? Um, I I don't know if it's fair because, you know, anecdotally, uh, I I can say that the amount of uh, interest, the uh, amount of uh, feedback we've got from the public, around the banning of police, it definitely, uh, it turned an inclusive parade into a very divisive parade. Um, it really polarized people's opinions, and it was a very negative experience from a policing community. So I would say that it is fair to say that the decision did have an impact, uh, again, as the perception. You took, like I said, you took away an inclusive parade, you made it exclusive, you, and it, it did have an impact. I would say that anecdotally, uh, financially, it would have an impact because people weren't supporting it, and it, it created divides within the community. John? Yeah, so I agree with Mike. I mean, if you just look at the numbers, I believe the sponsorship went down from 2.3 million to 1.5, and donations uh, took an 86 percent hit. They went from about 750,000 to just over 100,000. That's huge. Right. So I mean, um, and I don't think a couple years ago we had some really bad weather, and you know, so it's not like. Um, you know, the weather this year was was pretty good, so it's not that you could contribute to anything like that. I think the numbers do speak for themselves, and and uh, to Mike's point, people have uh, have you know a certain number of people have decided it's not the the sort of event they want to support, and you can see that in uh, in terms of donations and sponsorship. Um, I, I'm sure that uh, a lot of our listeners would agree with that. Just uh, I just recall when it was a subject, um, the the move to ban police got an overwhelmingly 
negative response. Uh, uh, I'm wondering what people think now. The numbers to call 416 360 toll free 1-866-744-740. And we're talking about the fact that Pride Toronto has taken a pretty big financial hit and it looks to be because of that move to ban police. And John Burnside, the city didn't cut its subsidy to the Pride Parade, even though there were a lot of people who uh, believed that it should have. Uh, Where uh, is the city with that? And um, do you think that there might be a better reception for that going forward? Well, yeah, I, I did vote to to cut funding for a variety of reasons, which I already you know mentioned in, in the past. But uh, council didn't see it that way. The mayor didn't see it that way. But I know speaking to 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 the mayor and others that I think that there was um, they really wanted to give pride that year to get organized. It seemed from the outside like there was a bit of an insurgency going on. Uh, a small minority had sort of taken over the the organization. At least that was the perception. So, you know, they've had their year, and uh, I fully expect that they'll be, um, or I'm hoping, I should say, mm-hmm. that the police will be invited back. And, and I'm hoping that uh, if they're not, council actually takes a stand on this one. Mm-hmm. And, um, Mike, <laughs> I, I know that with the police, uh, uh, again, the police chief seemed very uh, diplomatic and conciliatory, talking about having very, uh, uh, what is the word, you know, productive conversations. Um, right. Where do you think, uh, do, you, do you have any indication if anything productive has come out of that? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. And, and going like, uh, like John was saying, and obviously John uh, hung up his police officer's hat and put on his politician's hat when uh, he's hoping that, uh, you know, the right thing. I, I actually don't have much hope or faith in the, the leadership of uh, pr- uh, the Pride organization right now. I, I mean, give me a break. What, you, it takes a year to decide or a year to, to figure out where you're going to go. And, we'll, you know, what, what we have been working diligently, like we're not perfect in the policing community. I get all that. But I deal with our LGBTQ officers, our other officers who work in the community. And it was a direct slap in the face to the hard work, not only from those officers, but the people in the community to forge these really strong relationships and change the culture of policing within that community. And then to say, oh, you know what, you can declare as being part of the community, but heaven forbid you should ever declare that you're a police officer because that's the biggest taboo ever. You should be ashamed of that. And that's how our officers felt. And they continue to feel that way. And I have no faith in this organization as to changing their position. And like I say, like John said, it took. Uh, they said they needed a year to get organized. And in, in your point, what discussions? We haven't heard anything. So I'm, I'm pretty confident that it'll be status quo. And this is the way that they're going to be treating police going forward. I've, I've no faith or hope in these people to do the right thing. And uh, what do you think the police leadership, how do you think they will respond if that turns out to be the case? Well, again, I, I would hope that, you know, uh, the, the command or the police leadership or the service would, would see it the way our, our officers who are directly impacted and that you are being perceived as uh, this does nothing to foster a positive or good relationship with the police in the community. It, draw, it puts a wedge in that relationship, and I hope that, uh, you know, the chief and, and the senior officers will will be taking the side of the membership in the association and saying, look, at, you know, there's no sense in, 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 in 
doing anything other than what we're required for this parade, which is to provide safety, but to be participants in supporting it outside of what we do in policing, which we take seriously every day, providing that security, that should be our only role with this parade. Uh, John, um, f- from your experience, uh, you know, you said that the perception was that, that a small group took over Pride. Um, I mean, it looks like that from the outside, but it also looks like Pride has uh, moved along to include another issue, and that would be the issues of Black Lives Matter. Would you agree with that, that that's what's happened? Right, but there's there's a way to uh, include issues, and and you know that pride is supposed to be political. I get all that. However, I don't think they're supposed to be exclusionary, uh, like they've been. So there's a way to include issues without without being held hostage. Ultimately, it's their choice to make, and I understand that. But then city council has to make a choice, and we've seen what sponsors and donors how they've decided. I probably received I'm going to say ten or fifteen calls and or emails from people and they all were self-declared gay people so uh, and they all wanted me to support not supporting uh, financially the pride parade so it's for that organization they have to decide how they're going to to move forward and, and I hope that the police will continue to work with them because I don't want a group and whether irrespective of how big the group is but certainly a segment of the group to dictate the relationship between the police and the, the larger LGBT uh, community. Because to, to Mike's point, so much work has been done over the years to improve it and to have such a positive relationship. Sure, there uh, things still need to be addressed. But uh, so much is, they've made so much progress. I'd hate for this situation to, to put them back, and that's my biggest fear. Okay, and here's here's something that I think might happen, and it's kind of the opposite of what you're talking about, because I would not be shocked if not only does the city continue that subsidy, even if police are banned, but that they, they uh, go further and help cover that deficit. Um, am I dreaming here? Am I... <laughs> Mike, you can go first. <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, no, I, th- I think that's the reality. And you know, you, you brought up a, a really great point. Like, you know, John said, okay, it's a small minority who are bringing, well, it's a minority that are bringing this opinion about policing forward. But that seems to be the status quo these days. Like, we, we just went through a, an exhaustive uh, process about defending the school resource officer, where the Toronto District uh, School Board did a survey and they found that less than 10 percent of the students, and then this is a segue, but just going to what you're saying, um, into supporting the school resource officers, and the uh, school board said, well, we're going to cancel that program. So, you know, when you, you're talking about a minority, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's who, whatever is controlling that agenda of the day, and the agenda of the day is to get the police out of it. So, to your point, um, I don't see, I, I see maybe your position going forward, um, that'll be not only continue, but the ban will be continue to be supported. But I, I, I don't see anybody, you know, uh, running to defend or say we're going to withdraw funding because police are not allowed. That's not going to happen. John, do you think they might cover a deficit as well? Well, you've been, uh, we've all been ra- around long enough to know that there are certain uh, segments on council that will be uh, very vocal to do that. I'm not so sure that the majority will do that. Um, I'm hoping that we can, 
address it and, and you know they 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 made their my, my argument is they've made their decision about the police last year and that was their decision to make but to now come back and say oh well things didn't turn out exactly as we planned we need more money absolutely not now that being said i want this sorted out i want council to continue supporting pride parade so i just want to make that clear uh, i just think we need to do it in a in an inclusive way and hopefully um we can figure that out you know, um, Mike uh, referenced the, the, the program of the police officers in schools and, and um, you know, nobody would argue and would say that there are no issues between police and, and minority communities, uh, people of color, but um, it is a fairly radical approach on the part of Black Lives Matter. So uh, what I'm asking is, how much of uh, the, say, muted response is a matter of, you know, political correctness? John? Well, fortunately, we don't deal with the school boards uh, directly. So, um, but I would agree it is that way. I think my, my biggest disappointment in that whole discussion it was that a large, a far larger number of students felt safe with those officers there. And so the decision was made to to cater to a percentage that that felt somehow um, not in a, in a in a good environment against the overwhelming majority of uh, students who actually felt safer and I think that's a real um, commentary on where things are right now the pendulum swung a little too far in one direction but we do need that leadership to say hey um, we need to we need to figure everything out, but it can't be ex- at the expense of uh, children's safety or their feel- feeling safe in the schools. Oh yeah, I mean I, I'm talking in general. Is uh, you know, are you finding a big problem with political correctness? Hmm. Well, but we've seen that we absolutely. I mean, you know, you always have to think twice about your words at any given time, but absolutely that uh, no one wants. I was actually uh, shocked that Councillor Campbell at the time uh, did stand up and, 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 and did take a stand because, you know, he was heavily criticized by, by a lot of people. And so, you know, kudos to him, and um, you just need more councillors uh, that will do that. Yeah, and, and like I think it's easy to be a sheep, and it's always hard to be a shepherd, right? And whenever you're going to take a position, and, and it doesn't matter whether you're doing it in the media or John's doing it as a politician or I'm doing it as a police officer, you have to be accountable and you have to be uh, ex- own your words and own your positions. And you know, it's always easier for people just to go along than people. And when you take a position, you got to you have to understand that there could be criticism or people may disagree with it, but that's part about having integrity and being who you are and, and taking that position. But again, when, you know, I look at the SRO program, for instance, and I look at what we do in policing, and, and, and it all goes into the same sort of bucket of community-based policing, whether it's pride, whether it's SRO. I worked in Regent Park community for most of my career, and we had a very uh, difficult relationship with that community for a number of years. And where we got to break down that sort of relationship or that adversarial relationship with the police and the community is by having community-based police officers. And it takes time to erode those stereotypes uh, where people perceive the, the police officers as being an occupying force, by being oppressive and so on. And you do that by having interactions that are outside of the what we would say people perceive a police uh, relationship where you're getting it, it's an adversarial thing where you're getting a ticket or you're getting arrested or it's always something negative and it takes time 
and you have to have officers embedded into those communities. And it's, it, I, I hate to be so uh, basic, but it's like the Sesame Street song, you know, the person in your neighborhood, a cop's the person in your neighborhood. And it's when you start breaking down that the police officer is just an enforcement tool with, within the neighborhood, and you start having those relationships, that's when relationships and trust and, and credibility start to improve, and it takes time. So when we look at you know, what happened in the SRO or we look at our pride, I think that that's nothing more than setting us back 25 or 50 years to those relationships where you can't trust the cops. Let's not have a relationship outside of that. But if we don't have these relationships that we have in SRO and community-based policing and pride, then we'll never be able to break down those walls and those barriers. Okay. Uh, we're running out of time. Uh, John, uh, just before we go, uh, where do you go from here at City Council to try to bridge this? Well, we're we'll, we're waiting to hear back from Pride, and unfortunately, everything takes so long at the city, so we won't hear anything until the new year in terms of what their plans are for the summer. As, as I think uh, you recall, we didn't even get the, the request, didn't come before council till uh, May, I, I believe it was. So right now we're just uh, waiting, and I'm sure the mayor's been having conversation with uh, with pride and, and we'll see what goes but I just want to want add one thing about the political correctness which was the problem we face now is we have a, we're a society of headlines and it's 140 characters or less it's easy they increase that to 240 by okay, the way well, that's how, that's how uh, old I am or antiquated you can make something more significant with those but the point is to explain positions takes a lot of time and people are just reading the headlines okay well we try to uh, delve into things in depth here, and uh, I appreciate both of you coming on to do that. Mike McCormick, Toronto Police Association and, and president. Let, I just want to, you know, let we, you know. We're, we've got we're, 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Our position is what going forward, we're already looking at our uh, flights to New York City for pride because I don't have any faith in uh, any change of plans from Toronto. Okay, book early and get those <laughs> discounts. <laughs> Let's get a discount. Black, okay, Black thanks. Discount. Thanks care. to you, thanks, Mike Libby. and John Burnside. Take care. Bye-bye. And that's all the time we have for Fight Back for today. We now break for traffic and news. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.